0: I'll tell you guys a story uh, before we get started here, before we really get started, I guess. Um, I think we've already got started. Um, so there's this young lady, and she's overwhelmed with nerves and excitement, and she, she keeps moving closer, and uh, she's as unfamiliar with this gathering as the clothes that she wears on her back, and these clothes are really just to hide uh, not only the external, but the internal wounds that callous her heart and 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 she's uneasy um, about the next moments and what they have in store uh, for this is the first time that she's been able to give a gift because this is somewhat of a turning of the tables for normally she was the gift that was offered, but it was a disposable gift, and looking up, she recognizes many faces in the rooms and In the room, and she sees a man that that just used her last night, and and she quickly looks away as to avoid contact or eye contact with him. And and at once, she feels less. And she wonders in agony if the others in the room are all too knowledgeable of who she is and, and what she does and what she has done. And her mind races Did I make a mistake? Should I have come? If I leave right now, no one will notice that I'm here. When suddenly she surges forward with a deep-rooted determination to give her gift, and, and overwhelmed, she bursts into tears and begins to clean the feet of the man who was known to be good. And filling the room as quickly as the scent of the gift are the criticisms of her actions. When suddenly a voice cuts through the noise to silence the crowd, a voice that is both commanding and soothing. The voice is saying words that are calling her to be who she is intended to be, to live a life as she was intended, and freeing her from her burdens. The voice whose spoken words see her as a creation of the Creator, that recognize her value that give her dignity for the first time the woman is being seen god as i pray this morning as we gather here this morning would you help us to see people In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue on this series. If you haven't been with us, it's uh, called EDLD. Evangelism, Discipleship, Leadership, um, and Diversity. I would like to take a moment. Uh, is Ray here? Ray, thank you for last week. I mean, it was that was fantastic. Uh, it was one of those that the more I thought about it, the more I got out of it. And so thank you for doing that uh, and teaching last week. I thought it was, um, it was fantastic. And it was definitely a, um, a challenge as far as leading, um, leading ourselves and how do we do that. And, and so I just want to give props there. And also, um, so we've covered the three steps of the process. So we've covered evangelism. Evangelism is telling uh, people about the hope that is found in Jesus Christ discipleship, we covered that, that's that's walking alongside people, it's what Jesus did, when when he calls the twelve and then others become his disciples, he simply, uh, he walked alongside them, he said things like, how do you not get this, okay, and then he would teach them though, he didn't say, how do you not get this, leave my presence, okay, He he would say, how do you not get this, this is what it means. All right? This should start to become more obvious. And so that's what we need to do. We walk alongside people. We meet them where they're at. We don't clean them up and bring them in. We meet them where they are. Uh, and then leadership. We talked about being influence uh, of the people that are around you. All right? Now, this is not controllers that you become a, a puppet master of the people around you. You just have influence of the people around you. Alright, and and then Ray uh, told us eloquently last week of how important it is then to lead yourself all right self leadership and the question is this how will you ever effectively lead someone else if you can't lead yourself now what we recognize is that those are the steps of the process well well, what holds the process together then? What is the glue that holds it together? And that's the, that's the last point is diversity. And so we recognize too uh, this, that, that all of this has to be done with the infilling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, we don't do this on our own. When we talk about self-leadership, okay, that does not take Jesus out of the equation, That is saying yes to Jesus to do whatever he wants to, and that's part of that discipline. So today uh, we're going to talk about uh, diversity, all right? And diversity is a big deal, all right? If we don't know it's a big deal, um, hopefully by the end of this morning you will know it is a big deal. First thing I want to point out is uh, this, that diversity is the interwoven fabric of the story of God. And when we look at this, God created people, and he created people in his image is how he created them. And so people are diverse. Now, diverse. I don't know about for you. When I think of diversity, for my mind, uh, I automatically go to, uh, you know, ethnicity, Okay, red, yellow, black, and white equals diversity, but that would limit us, right? Because then we have to talk about age, all right? And then we have to talk about male and female. So diversity is not just an ethnic or or racial thing. It is a full-scale thing, and so people are diverse. And we see in the story of God that he chose a people called Israel. Now, Israel was supposed to be... that. Now, when he chose Israel, does that mean he didn't care about anybody else? No. Okay, so he chose Israel. They were to be the people that drew nations unto himself. They, they failed. And then they did kind of better. And then they failed. And then they did kind of, and then they failed. Sound familiar? Okay, good. We're in good company then. You're in good company. I'm right there with you. All right. But then, so, so God, um, God from the beginning has this plan in order, okay? In, in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve uh, mess up, God wasn't surprised. Probably disappointed, I would imagine. But, okay, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? He knew. We see in Genesis 3 that at the beginning of that, he, he makes a sacrifice. He, he kills an animal. There's bloodshed. Uh, in order for Adam and Eve then to be clothed and go out of the garden, he, there is a sacrifice that is made, all right? And so we see later on in the story that Jesus sends his only son. And then Jesus, therefore, is, is the fulfillment of what Israel was supposed to do. The Bible says it like this. It says, there's no way to the Father except through Jesus in John 14, 6. It, it, it says that... That every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord in Romans fourteen eleven, And it says that there will be a great gathering from every nation and tribe and people and language who will stand in front of the throne and before the Lamb who is Jesus in Revelation 7, 9. That sounds like diversity to me. And the next thing is this. Not only is it the diversity is the interwoven fabric of the story of God, but we are called to be diverse. And so when we look at this calling that we're done, this, I'll show you some examples. Luke 10, 30 through 37, the good Samaritan. I'm not going to go through the whole story with you. I'm going to tell you this, though. There's this dude that is at the side of the road. He is roughed up. He is cut up. He is bruised, and he doesn't have any money to take care of himself. He can't even get to a place to take care of himself. He's a Samaritan. He's despised by the Jews. All right? The, the good people come by. I am going to tell you the story. The good people come by. All right? The people that are good, right? They come by. They walk on the other side of the road. They ignore him, all right? Uh, Excuse me. No. I got the story messed up. Sorry. All right? It wasn't the Samaritan. Okay? The bad Samaritan comes by to this guy, all right? Who might have been a Samaritan? I don't know, okay? He was a dude, though, for sure, all right? He comes by, and then he does what? He actually ministers to this person. The bad Samaritan. Now, if we've noticed that Jesus says... Who was the one that was following like the like like Jesus who was, who was the one that was following what God would do? Samaritan. Samaritan. but do you notice in the Bible he says the Jewish person says the one that helped him. That's significant. why? Because I don't want to say that a Samaritan helped him. okay? it was it was. The person that helped. So the Good Samaritan, helping out this person alongside the road, all right? We see the story, uh, the pre-story that I told you guys, okay? Luke 7, 3650, the, the sinful woman who anointed Jesus, all right? She wasn't supposed to do that. She wasn't supposed to have her hair down. Do you know what that meant back in the day? have your hair down and then you come in and you have the audacity to to wash this person's feet and then jesus looks at the host and says well you didn't even offer to wash my feet what she's done is good and not only that her sins are forgiven what matthew 10 2 through 4 jesus sends out the 12 this is a diverse group i encourage you again just like i i did before look at this group Dude, it's a diverse group. You have zealots. You have fishermen. You have tax collectors. Diversity. Luke 18, 15 through 17, where Jesus blesses the children. Oh, don't bother. Don't bother the teacher. No, have them come to me. And then he blesses them. Diversity. Diversity. Paul, a Jewish man, I mean a scholar. If he was, uh, if he was today, Paul would have uh, at least two or three earned doctorates and then several honorary doctorates from multiple institutions. Okay? He would be that guy. He's a Jewish dude. He's the Jew among Jews. And he gets sent out check this out, to minister to non-Jewish people. Why? Because the interwoven fabric of the gospel message and the story of God is diversity. It has to be. And so many more stories, if you read what's called the Bible, if you read through the pages and you read it more than just a historical account, although it is that. But you read it and you say, okay, God, from, you're telling me from Genesis to Revelation, everything points to Jesus. That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you Deuteronomy even does, and so does Leviticus. Get into them. They're good stuff. So many of the stories solidify The fact that the kingdom of God is not limited to a few, but rather the kingdom of God is for everyone. This should raise a question then. And maybe it didn't exactly raise it, but I'm going to raise it for you, and then it should be raised in you. All right? This question. What is the current cultural significance of diversity? I'm going to say it slow now. What is the current cultural significance of diversity that transcends the biblical period and lands with us in the here and now, 2018? What is the current cultural significance of diversity that transcends the biblical time period and lands with us in the here and now? Now, if you were to ask me this question... I would say to you this. What do you think the current cultural significance of diversity is? To which you would say, stop making me think. To which I would say, but grasshopper, how else will you learn? I think too many times in the church today... We want people to bring us the mountaintop down to us where we are at the base of the mountain. When we have full access to the king and his kingdom, each one of us, you have the keys to the kingdom. So stop waiting for someone to come down from the mountain to deliver a message to you. So I'll tell you a little bit, though, what I think. I'm going to tell you just a tiny bit of what I think a portion of the cultural significance is in our moment today, that we live in, 2018, that you were born in such a time as this, okay? You're not an accident. This is you. This is on purpose. No matter what you've gone through, no matter what you're going through, you're for right now. And we need to know that you are for right now. But if I were to live back, well, you don't. Well, if I live 20 years, well, you don't. You're right here, right now. God's calling you right now. But I have to define a word before we can go on with what the cultural uh, significance is. And and, and that word is homogeneity. Exactly. I got to. Hey, you know what? I have permission. Every now and again, I can throw in a $2 word, okay? All right? (laughs) Homogeneity. Because you know your boy had to look it up. Um, Now. No, it's this. The quality or state of being all the same are all of the same kind. That's what homo... We've heard of homogeneous groupings. Yes. Maybe like on a survey or something like that or maybe in some stats class you took or maybe never, okay? Homogeneity, the quality or state of being all the same or of the same kind as human beings... We like things, especially people who are the same as us. Why? Here's my thought on why. Because we don't have to critically think when we're around people who are exactly like us. I can tell a joke and everyone will get it. I can use a specific dialect of, English language, and people all around will follow seamlessly, all right? I can say things that are part of an inside language without even thinking about if anybody's understanding what I'm saying, and life is a lot easier that way, right? If everybody would just think the same way as I do. Wow, that would suck, actually. Yeah, if you think about it for a second, that would really be horrible. Okay, but in our moments, we think, that would be great because nothing would bother me anymore. Have you ever bothered yourself? I have. So many times. And so life would just be easier, so we think. I mean to tell you, have you ever told a joke where you have to give context to every line? It's not funny anymore. The joke ends when someone says, can you explain that? No, I can't. I'm not going. You tell a joke to your kid and your kid's like, So, and then they start retelling the joke, but in question form, you're like, we're done. We're done. I'm not doing it. But here's what I believe. The challenges come when we have to think critically about what we are about to say or what we are about to do. Because I believe this. We're called, and I believe Jesus said this, that that even the Son of Man came to serve and not to be served. And when I say, I believe he said that, I know he said that. And let's face some facts here. We want everything, homogeneous groupings, homogeneity, everything's the same, everything's dot, dot, da 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 da. it's seamless, here we go. My life's happy, I got a unicorn, okay? And so here is the deal, though. I believe that actually comfort can be our worst enemy. Because when we get comfortable, we get lazy. So maybe for me, I need a less comfortable couch so that I'll go run more. So I won't sit on it as much. Okay? No? Anybody with me on that? Okay. Okay. Too, too far. That's too far. Okay. I got to get, I don't need the lazy boy that's this big. Okay. I can like not have that. I mean, just as an example, that's just a life example. Okay. We get comfortable. And I believe that comfort has the ability to impede growth. Actually, comfort may trick us in to growing. And I'm going to continue on the lazy boy example. This is a life example. We don't have to actually like, you know, like get out. This is a life example, okay? Don't think like, oh, okay, I have a lazy boy, okay, coming against me in the name of Jesus. No, okay. I'm saying this though. If, if we're in the comfort of our lazy boy life, our lazy boy lifestyle, we may think about running. I'm not going to be able to run any more than I could before I wasn't even started. See, we've got to put the footrest down to life. We've got to put some shoes on, and we've got to hit the pavement. Spiritually speaking, we need to start running. Because I believe that we're commissioned to run a race and not part-time deal. We're to train our bodies on a continual basis. We are to lead ourselves, hey, I want to follow Jesus. Well, let me tell you something. It ain't going to happen on the lazy boy. All right. Let me get off the lazy boy. (laughs) Offended two people already. All right. Let's go for four. Here we go. Okay. So oftentimes uh, we find ourselves in this moment of comfort frustrated with people who are not exactly like us. We can't understand why they would share the post, that post that they knew was going to be provocative and cause me to become angry. So what do we do? Well, I, I believe that we have two obvious options. We obviously have more than two options. Okay. Uh, but for, for sake of time, we have two options. We, we can either get to know that person, and that means calling that person and saying, hey, you want to do lunch? And just to know them. Not talk about policy and all this stuff. Because the fact is, you might not ever see eye to eye, and that's okay. But now this option will take time, it will take effort, and it will take empathy. All right? Or we can ignore the person and carry on with life as it were. And if we choose this option, it will be easier. I do not believe it will be as productive. If we choose to ignore people, we can start to group people then. And we begin to use blanket statements. And they always include these two words. One, they, and two, them. Always. They. Na, 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 nah. If you don't know me, let me tell you, I'm going to let you peek in the inside real quick. If you come up to me with research and they say, dude, You already shut me down. I hate when people say they and them. Well, they say that you should, okay, give me the article. Give me the author. Give me the professor. Give me the person. I don't need they. I want to talk people here, okay? In generalities, I hate it. Tell me who and why. Anybody else with me on that? Stop talking they. And we do it. Oh, they, you want to talk about Democrats. You want to talk about Republicans. You want to talk about this newscast. You want to talk about this one. Can I just say something this morning? Can I? I'm going to, okay? I'm not waiting. Just so you know, I'm not waiting for your permission, okay? I'm going to say it. Start tuning in to some, start tuning out of CNN, MSNBC, uh, FOX, Fox, uh, what else we got? The the 30,000 news channels. Can I recommend that you start turning tuning into something maybe like NLT or NIV or uh, ESV or something like that? Because the truth is here. Now I'm not saying don't be, don't be ignorant of what's going on, but know where the truth is at. Dang. We walk around, oh, no, the world's going to hell. No, it's not. It's been this way, man. Wake up, man. Do we know the truth or do we know the truth? Do we know the creator? Do we know the one that comes to redeem us? Stop then. Oh, this policy, this, that. Okay, I get it. It's important, but don't let it rule your life. (sighs) Don't let it. And please don't let it. I think what we're doing when we let those moments slip in and we do the they and the them, we just, we just dehumanize people. And I want to talk about two things this morning, anger and contempt. Segway great into those. I'm not angry. You are. Okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not angry, though. I'm passionate about this because I want to see us walk out our destiny that God has for us. And I don't believe it's walking around as a bunch of frustrated people talking about they and them. I believe it, that it's looking into people's eyes, uh, you know, the windows to their soul, if you will, and saying that you have value and you have worth. And speaking words that cut through to silence what else is going on so that we're talking one-on-one to them and, and, and they're, they're receiving from us via the Holy Spirit who lives in us, the words that they need. And so when we talk about anger and contempt, I want to define anger as the strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility, which for some of us is stored at a level that is so high that is ready to spill over at any moment. The car that cuts us off Someone taken forever in line at the store, it's not their fault that you're in a hurry and you're 15 minutes late. Leave earlier next time. Okay? Quit blaming people for what you're doing wrong. All right? Oh, don't they know? No, they don't know. Are they your friend? Okay? They don't know. Dang, forgive them for having a conversation. Okay? Chill. How about the person with a different political viewpoint? Don't you know that Jesus is this? If Jesus was here today, he would be an independent. You're right. He would be. I agree with you completely. And he would give to Caesars what is Caesars. Okay? But can you imagine having a conversation with somebody from a different political viewpoint? Instead of posting stuff on Facebook, that'd be wild. (laughs) The constant offense that goes on, I'm offended, I'm offended, I'm offended, okay? You don't have the right to be offended, okay? You don't carry the right to be offended. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you do not have the right to be offended. How about when your children break another thing around the house? I mean, I got a son. Let me tell you, he—he's not here this morning. He's here this morning. He's not in here this morning. I have a hat that says "Mr. Fix It," and his says "Mr. Broke It." All right. We have an understanding of each other, okay? And, And but the list can go on and on and on, right? This anger. Now, let me, let me tell you something here. If left unmanaged, if not cast to, if not given to Jesus, it will overtake our life. Cast what? All your fears, cast all your worries, cast all your anxiety, 1 Peter 5, 7. Um, listen, this anger can then lead us a step farther to contempt. Okay, so what is contempt then? Contempt is the feeling that a person is beneath consideration, worthless, or deserving of scorn. Contempt sounds like this. I'm just using Facebook a lot today because it just, okay, I'm done with it. All right, you boy done. I stopped the account, holler at you. Boy, my life has been better. Okay, I like people again. Okay, and so, I'm. you know, you're scrolling through this idea. Maybe it's a meme. It has some you know, thing that, that goes against what you're saying, oh my, what an idiot. Might be that little thought, okay? You might not say it out loud, but you might be like, oh, what a fool, okay? That's contempt. That person has less value. That person is a moron to you, okay? And we think, well, if I say it silently, like, it's all good, you know, like, I ain't going to do anything. No, I believe that that is planting seeds of bitterness and and, and worthlessness towards that person. Let me tell you something. It's not the things that are said out loud that are going to affect us. It's the things that we don't filter through the Holy Spirit that live in us and affect us. And we get to see it when we react to people. Right? You ever been pushed to, push to the limit. You're going to find out real quick what's going on inside of you. Real quick. Whoa, where did that come from, from inside of you? Well, I didn't feel like I was feeling that way. Well, you are. Oh, it was just a mistake. Yeah, I I agree with you, but there's something going on there that you got to deal with and that I got to deal with. Okay? So, deserving of scorn. At the place of contempt, we begin to devalue people. In the process of a devaluation, we are then justified in our anger towards them. Because I devalue you as a human being, I am allowed to be mad at you and angry at you. Because you are deserving of the scorn that I am giving to you. We do this, and then guess what this is called? A cyclical process. We're angry. It spills over. We are contemptuous towards people. The cycle starts over because our anger is justified. And it starts over, and it starts over, and it starts over. Read with me this. 2 Peter 1, 3. I don't think it's going to show up on the Air Bible because I didn't put it in there. It's all good. We've been reading it for a while now. This is found in the Bible. Um, It's a good place to to start, okay, the Bible. Uh, 1, verses 3. Check it out. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous portion of moral excellence Moral excellence with knowledge. It's okay to be smart, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly love or brotherly affection. Now, I want you to get this last one after the comma because this is the one that we struggle with. This is the one where we we allow anger and contempt to take over, and brotherly love with love for everyone. Mm -hmm. I got to keep going. All right. It says this, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or even blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Let's not get us in a place where we're so comfortable in our Christianity that we forget where we came from. Because once we were lost and then we were found. And so, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things. I love this. Do these things, and you will never fall away. Do these things, and you will never fall away. You going to let anger control you, or are you going to control it? Because I'm going to tell you what, you're more than an overcomer. You're more than an overcomer. You can take that anger. Yeah, anger might rise up in you. What are you going to do with it? Well, I'm, you caused me to be angry. No, no one causes you to be angry. You chose to be angry. Quit playing with yourself. Okay, we know you're trying to justify the anger. I get it. I've done it before too. See, here's what I believe. We need to stop yelling, and we need to start having conversations. had a good friend say this one time. Let the church be known for what it's for and not against. Because those against conversations, they're just going to come up naturally. Why don't we show somebody what we're for? Why don't we go out and make a difference in somebody's life? Why don't we meet people where they are? We're going to stand up. There are things that we're going to stand up for. We understand that? We know that. All right? I'm going to stand up for innocent lives. I'm going to do that. Right? Okay? I'm going to stand up for that. I'm going to, I'm going to stand up for the, for the sacredness of what marriage is. I'm going to stand up for that. But I don't need to yell that at the street corner. That should be ingrained in the way that I'm living, and people know that I love them. Even if they're coming from a different lifestyle, they need to know that I love them, and I'm going to meet them where they're at because there is a change that needs to happen. And it ain't going to happen through a megaphone. It's going to happen through a conversation at Starbucks. It's going to happen through a phone call, not another Facebook post. It's going to happen at a, at a sit down and not a text message. I believe this. What is our time right now? Break the cycle. Break the cycle of anger and contempt. We all know it, we all see it. Oh my gosh, America. I mean, this is the worst it's ever What are we doing? Are we joining the yelling or are we having conversations? Are we calling them them and they? Are we calling no, this is a person. Here's what I want. The last point that I have today is this: Anger and contempt block diversity. They completely block diversity by pushing us back to our homogeneous groups. Geneeus? OK? Homogeneous groups, OK? Needed to practice that one before I came up. <laughs> okay. Note to seven. See, look. I knew, what you, I knew you knew what I'm talking about. And that's why we're going to two services. Because 11 o'clock is going to get that giant. Boom. Okay. Um, now, here's the deal. Okay. For real though. Look at this. It, it pushes us back to what we're like. I'm uncomfortable. I don't like to be uncomfortable. I'm going to go back to where I'm comfortable. You're gonna grow over here. You're gonna stay the same over here. That's a choice. Talk about self leadership, bro. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk over here. I'm uncomfortable, you know. But I'm gonna do it because I'm gonna grow. We're, we're gonna grow. We're gonna grow. Lakeland Vineyard's gonna grow. Here's, we, I had a I had a great chance to meet with um, um, with Bernie Hayes. Um, and Brian McDonald, the associate pastor at Redeemer, right down the road here, all right, Presbyterian Church, we had a we had an opportunity to meet with Bernie Hayes, who's the pastor of Mount Sinai A.M.E. Church on Cherry Lane in Medellin, and, and we're you know what? Kind of sh- started to share the vision of we need to get together, and not just as a token get together that oh black and white churches are going to come together. No, it's this. These churches have a passion to see Medellin change for Jesus Christ. That's what We ain't getting together so, oh, yeah, we met with a black church. We met with a white church. No. We are the church. And we're going to meet together, and we're going to pray together, and we're going to have communion together, and we're going to have some meals together, and we're going to change a community that needs to be changed through the power of Jesus Christ. And so this, we get pushed back into our homogenous groups. And this is a place of comfort where God has never called us to be. We are called to love everyone. 1 Peter 1 verse 7. Love for everyone. And that's what I submit to you today is the cultural relevance or cultural significance of diversity. It's not an option. It's what God's calling us to. Yeah, rushing the stage. No, I'm just kidding. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is not what I like to do but I just felt in my heart that I really needed to say something. I'm nervous. But um, I went to a convention yesterday. It was a women's convention, and I really got a lot out of it. It was called Love, Love, Life. And when Andy said the destiny God has for us, that's a lot about what we were talking about there. We are not stepping out into our destiny. And like God says, We have everything we need inside of us. We don't need any more to step out into our destiny. If we take the first step in faith, as we've heard from God, then he's not going to show us the whole picture right away. But if you take that first step, then he will show you the second step. And you cannot be afraid of failure I mean, we might fail. We might not hear God the way we think we're hearing God. But, what are we, you know, are we just going to sit there and be comfortable mm. in our couch? No. We have to step out, be very uncomfortable, because that's the only way we're going to grow. And that's the only way we're going to meet other people and help them grow. I just felt I really needed to say that.
0: two words. Preach, sister. All right. That's real. Okay, stand up with me if you would. You know, I was going to ask, you know, how many of us, you know, would like to, you know, have more conversations and less yelling. But I'm not asking that. I'm going to pray for all of us. Okay? Okay. Is that all right with everybody? Because we all, let's be real, we all need it. We all need it. Believe me, my family looks red, yellow, black, and white, but bro, we need more diversity. Okay? Well, you don't struggle with diversity. I wish a joker would. Okay? If you are human, you struggle with diversity. Whether you're young and you look at older people and you say, oh my gosh, can you guys stop taking up the oxygen, seriously? Or you're old and you look down at the younger person and you say, "Uh, are they ever going to get their lives together? Because yours is perfect, okay? All right? Or you look at the parent that has kids and you say to them, my kid would never. Okay, oh, stop, okay? Please, all right? That's awesome, all right? And, but we always look at this, and we're different, so we're trying to judge it from our scope. Well, uh, why don't we judge it from this scope? Why don't, we, why, don't we t- why don't we judge it from this scope and see what's up? Okay? Not the sermon today. Okay? This scope right here, the Bible. Right? Why don't, why don't we start viewing things from a different perspective? Okay? And so that's what I'm going to pray for. Right? So here's what I want you to do. If you're standing up, relax. Right? You ain't got to put your hands in any position. God's big. He's going to do what he wants to do. Amen. All right? So let's pray. Father, you are good. You are the creator of diversity. And we thank you for that as we look over the earth and see the, the plethora of culture the plethora of skin tone, the plethora of age. We thank you, God, that that your Holy Spirit is big enough. Like 7.5 billion people didn't surprise you. And we thank you that in us, the things that we've done, the things that we like to hold ourselves back, we like to say we're not worthy to be in your presence, You say, what things? Because of your son's blood that covers us. And so, Father, we want to see people, unashamedly, we we say that we want to see people come to your kingdom. We want to see people come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And and to do that, Father, would you give us the ability to step over lines and, and put the megaphone down and to start engaging people where they are at. We thank you, Jesus, that you were the one that saw the prostitute cleaning your feet and then you started speaking life over her. When everybody else was speaking death, you spoke life. And so, Father, we want to be like you, so we want to speak life. We want to speak to people. We want to look at people and see them that they are a creation of the living God who cares for them. Help us never to be apologetic for that, God. Help us never to be overbearing with our policies and everything else, but our look on you and your face that meets people where they're at so that they can be changed from everlasting to everlasting, that they can be more like you in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ, that when we gather and every tribe and every nation and every language is there, God, that we see people that we knew that we affected change in this short blip that we have called life. Help us to leave from this place today encouraged, God, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit that can lead us. We are encouraged because we see a broken community that is going to be made whole in the name of Jesus. We see our lives that we don't have it all together, but you do. And so we submit to you and what you want to do. We say diversity must be. It is not an option anymore. It's got to be. We want to bring people into the conversation. We want to snatch people into the kingdom of heaven. We want to meet people where they are. We want to walk with them. We want to lead them. We want to be more like you. In the name of the name that is above all other names. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great healer, the great I am, the great provider, you, Jesus. That's what we want to do because I know, God, it is what you want to do. The kingdom is for Everyone. And we want to be the people that introduce it to the lost ones, the ones that are far from you, God. Would you bring them in in the name of Jesus and not by some advertisement because we're going to talk to them and we're going to engage them and we're going to tell them about the truth of you. And that is going to bring the change that needs to come to this city, to this community, to this nation, and to this world. We say yes to the things that you're calling us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if y'all need prayer, okay, we're going to be up here. Some people are going to be up here to pray for you.